I wonder if you expect God to answer your prayers. I, I think we can understand the attitude of those who don't expect anything to come from prayer. I think we've all had times in our lives when we've prayed and we've seen no obvious result from it. Probably some of us here today have been praying for a specific issue in our lives for years without any apparent breakthrough. But Jesus doesn't want us to conclude from our experience that prayer doesn't work. That it's just some kind of pointless exercise or a powerless ritual that we just do. Instead, Jesus wants us to be different in how we pray and how we ask. And so we're going to read this wonderful passage in Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, down to verse 12. And these are the words of Jesus. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Jesus had already spoken about prayer in this Sermon on the Mount before. He'd already spoken about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees who turned prayer into a performance to gain the admiration of those who were watching. He'd also warned against the babbling of the pagans who thought with their mindless repeating of words and phrases they would get what they were asking for. And he'd also given us a model, a model prayer to guide us and to direct us in how and what we should pray for. But in this section, Jesus gave us a wonderful command, a wonderful invitation. He said, ask, seek, knock. This is an invitation to turn away from a life of independence and self-sufficiency. And instead, bring our needs and requirements, our limitations and our weaknesses, our hopes and our dreams to God in prayer. With an increasing sense of urgency and intensity, Jesus wants us to ask God for what we need. He wants us to seek God's presence and his help in our lives. He wants us to knock on the door of his throne room and appeal for mercy and grace. The mercy and grace that we so desperately need each day. 
And he wants us to keep on doing this. These three commands of ask, seek and knock in the original language are all in the present tense. This means that there are things that we need to do continually. Jesus was encouraging us to keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Prayer isn't just something that we do once and that's it. Jesus wants us to pray persistently and continually to keep on praying. In fact, over in Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a parable to show that his disciples should always pray and not give up. Sure, many of you remember it. A widow kept coming to an unjust judge with a plea for justice. Now, he didn't have any sense of fairness or compassion for this woman. And so he initially refused her request. But she persisted. Again and again and again and again she came. And eventually, probably just to get rid of her, he gave in to her request and gave her what she wanted. And Jesus concluded that if that unjust judge responded to the persistence of that widow, then how much more will God respond to the persistent prayers of his people? And so we're not just called to pray persistently. We're also called to pray expectantly. This is the amazing promise of this passage. Verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now of course sometimes it doesn't feel like that, does it? Sometimes it feels as if our prayers just hit the ceiling. Like they're just empty words that just go unheard. And we're not alone in feeling like this. One of my favourite psalms is, is Psalm 13. And it starts this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? That's how David felt as he was praying. And then Habakkuk in his prophecy, he said, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you violence. You do not save. That's what it often feels like when we're praying. They were praying out to God and he's not listening. Because we don't immediately always see things happen. But Jesus' promise here is that despite how it may appear, God will always hear our prayers. Psalm 10, 17 says this, You hear, O Lord, the desires of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. 
God hears our prayers. What amazing truth to hold on to this morning. But Jesus promises more than that. Not only will God hear our prayers, but he will answer them. In case we missed it, maybe because he knows that we need it so much, Jesus repeated this amazing promise in verse 8. To everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, of course, Jesus was speaking first and foremost to his disciples. We've seen that right throughout the sermon, haven't we? Jesus is speaking to his people here. The privilege of prayer is only for those who have been cleansed through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. As Hebrews 10 and 19 says, we come with confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. It's only Jesus who gives us the right and the privilege to come into God's presence. On our own, we would be barred from God's presence forever. So this is a promise for his disciples, for those who have trusted in Jesus. But it is an amazing promise. God is moved by our prayers. God will respond to them. When we pray, God works in power. God answers our prayers. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but certainly it's a question that I always often ask is, why? Why would God answer my prayers? Why would he wait until his people prayed before he acted? If God is God, then he doesn't need my prayers. He doesn't need my help to accomplish his plan and his purpose in this world. And anyway, he doesn't need us to ask, to tell him what we need, because he knows it already, doesn't he? Remember we've looked at this verse already in this sermon, when Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And in a sense, all of that is true. And yet God has chosen... And his grace and his mercy has chosen to work through our prayers in this world. He wants us to come in prayer with our needs so we can unburden our hearts. So we can unload our concerns to him. So we can also express our dependence on him and our submission to his will. So we can also have that opportunity to grow in our relationship with him. But also so that we can have the amazing privilege of partnering with him in his work in this world and in the building of his kingdom. God doesn't need us in a sense, but he wants us to us. And he wants us to get involved in his work in this world. So I don't think we'll ever really fully understand the whole issue of prayer. But Jesus wants us to know that God longs for us to pray. 
to keep on asking for what we need. To keep on seeking for his help. And keep on knocking on his door. And when we do, God promises to answer. So when we pray, we should expect God to respond. But we can also be confident that his answer will be good. Jesus illustrated this with this little story of, about a son asking his dad for food. If his son asks for bread, he says, verse 9. Reminds us what the basis of our confidence is in prayer. Because we're not coming to some distant and some detached deity when we pray. We're not coming pleading with somebody to become interested in our lives. Instead, we are coming to our Father in heaven when we pray. We pray as dearly loved children to our Abba Father who is so devoted to us that he just longs for us to come to him with our needs. No matter how small and trivial they are or huge and seemingly impossible they may be. And this is all because of our faith in Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 12. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So our confidence in our prayer, in coming to God in prayer, doesn't rest in how well we pray. Or how well we're doing in our lives. In what we have done or haven't done. Or what we can say doesn't rest in anything to do with us. Rather our confidence in prayer rests in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And the reality that through trusting in Jesus, we've been adopted into God's family. We are God's kids. And he will never turn us away. And because of this, we can be confident that God will give us what we need. Jesus reminded us that human parents give good gifts to their children. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Bread and fish, the essentials, the basic essentials for life. So if their sons asked for food, None of them would give them something inedible like a stone or something unclean like a snake. Their love and their compassion for their children would prevent them from treating them like this. And so if human parents, even although we are sinful and often selfish, if human parents still care enough for their children to give them good gifts, then how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Because our Heavenly Father is the one who is perfectly holy and just and separate from sin. He is the one who loved us so much, even when we were still sinners, that He sent His Son to die in agony on the cross for us. And He is the one who has reached out in grace to us. And drawn us to himself. And forgiven us and redeemed us. And accepted us and adopted us as his kids. 
and has committed himself to us for all eternity. So how could we even suggest that our Heavenly Father would love us less than we would love our kids? How could we ever doubt that God would hold back the good gifts that we need? But what are those good gifts that we need? Well, Jesus has already encouraged us to pray for our everyday needs. Give us today our daily bread. Verse 6 of chapter 6 and verse 11. However our income comes to us, we need to live in that daily dependence on God, looking to Him to provide us for what we need for our life. But there's a sense in which these good gifts comes to, come to everybody, whether they pray or not. Earlier in the sermon we read how Jesus reminded us that he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. The sun and the rain are essential for life and God gives them and numerous other gifts in a completely unrestricted way. That's because of his unconditional love to all of his creation. God gives good gifts to everybody in this world. Whether they ask or not. Whether they even say thank you or not. At lunchtime today, there will be a whole lot of people sitting down and having lunch together. Some will be, will be thanking God for their food. And some won't even give God a second thought. But they'll all eat. Because God has given to them. But there are some gifts that God only gives when we pray. The gift of salvation. The gift of the forgiveness of our sins. And acceptance into his family. That gift only comes to those who call on his name. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If we haven't already, if we call on the name of the Lord this morning and ask for His forgiveness and His grace and His salvation, God promises to answer that prayer and respond in mercy and grace and transform our lives and bring us into His family right there and then. And there are other many good gifts that God gives to His children when they pray to Him. I was just thinking about the the gift of daily forgiveness. Which we all need to maintain that fellowship with our Father. And that intimacy with Him. 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What about the gift of protection in our lives? Deliverance from evil in this world. As we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Helping us to avoid the temptation in our life. And keep us safe from the power of evil in this world. And then in this insecure and uncertain world, 
we can experience the gift of peace like nobody else. When we pray and we cast our anxieties on God. This wonderful promise in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God. Which transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace in the storms of life. A good gift from our Father. Then when we face the challenges and choices in our lives and we don't know what to say or what to do or where to go, we can pray for that wonderful gift of wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. God will direct us in our lives. And there's so many more good gifts that he wants to give to us, his children, when we ask. Luke helps us because he summarizes this. In the parallel passage in Luke's gospel, he says this. Luke 11 and 13. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All of these good gifts are wrapped up in the gift of his Holy Spirit to us. Because he is the ultimate gift. The gift of God with us. And the seal of God's promise guaranteeing our inheritance in heaven. And what we need in our lives is to increasingly be filled with him, to be equipped by him, to be empowered by him and just to walk with him allowing him to produce his fruit in our lives the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control And Jesus wants us to be confident that when we ask for those things in in prayer, then God will give it to us. He will give us these amazingly good gifts. Of course, this doesn't mean that God will always give us what we ask for. And just as well, Would we ever be brave enough to pray if we knew that God was going to do exactly what we said? Think about it. How could we really know what was best in a situation in our lives? Would we really want to have the final say in this world? Could we really carry that burden on our shoulders? Anybody want to be in charge of this world? I don't know if I want to live in that world. <laughs> Ruth Graham, the wife of the international evangelist Billy Graham, she said that had God always answered yes to her prayers, she'd have married the wrong man seven times. <laughs> we should thank God for some unanswered prayers. 
He only gives good gifts to those who ask him. God doesn't give that stone or that snake, even if his kids ask for them. He loves us far too much for that. So we come as children to our Heavenly Father and pray like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. (coughs) Yet not my will, but yours be done. We know that God is in charge and we eagerly submit to him because we know that his will is good and pleasing and perfect. And because we know that our God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. My prayers would restrict God's work in my life. Because God wants to do far more than I would ever ask for. So we may not get what we ask for, but we can trust him that he'll give us something far better. I ask for strength that I might achieve. He made me weak that I might obey. I ask for health that I might do great things. He gave me grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. He gave me poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. He gave me weakness that I might feel a need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. He gave me life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing I'd asked for. He gave me all that I'd hoped for. But Jesus finishes this section with a challenge that also helps us to see that we should not be the focus of our prayers. In verse 12, this very famous verse, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. It's often called the golden rule. And there's negative forms of this that are found in many different religions. A guy called Confucius reportedly said, Do not to others what you would not wish done to yourself. He must be wise because he says it really quite strangely, doesn't he? Do not to others what you would not wish done to yourself. Then the Jewish rabbi Hillel summed up the law and his understanding and he said this, What is hateful to you, do not do to anyone else. But Jesus goes further here, doesn't he? This is not just the principle of do nobody any harm. This is the principle of do everyone good. We're not just called to refrain from hate. We are called to reach out in love. And Jesus said this sums up the law and the prophets. Not in this keeping, if he kept this this rule, that that would make us right with God. Of course not. None of us could do that. But this is how, as followers of Jesus, we should live. This is the heart of the Christian life. We're called to love God with all of our heart and mind and strength and soul. And to love our neighbour as ourselves. So this is the great balance 
to the selfishness that often seeks to pull our prayer life just into a shopping list for us. Yes, God does want us to bring our needs and our, and our desires to Him. But God wants us to do more than that in prayer. He wants us to move on and to pray for others in need. Express His love for them and seek their good. So prayer is not a powerless ritual. Or a pointless exercise. Instead, through it, God wants to change this world. He wants us to get involved in his work in this world. Partner with him in his mission. And reach out with him in love to a lost world. As we pray, may your kingdom come. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's come to our Heavenly Father with our needs and the needs of this world expectantly because we know God hears and answers our prayer. Confidently because we know that God is eager to give good gifts to His kids. And humbly because we know that God will always do what is best.